When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-hosts and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 61 of the show. I'm joined this week by our favorite Hollywood housewife, Laura Tremaine, and another familiar voice to the show, our dear and longtime friend, Kara Pence. You may remember that back in episode 24 of Sorta Awesome, Kara came on the show as a guest co-host, and we talked all about the incredibly awesome story of her answering the call to become a surgeon. Well, she has taken time out of her very busy schedule to join us this week, and she and Laura are here to tell you all about what they have been reading that you're going to want to pick up and put on your summer reading list. We're going to be mentioning a lot of books in this episode, and links to all of them will be in our show notes that you can find at SortaAwesomeShow.com. And just a reminder, if you follow those links and buy your summer reading books through Amazon, a few pennies from your purchase will go to support our show. We're going to get to all of that in just a minute, but first, let's start the show the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. Laura, what do you have for us this week? Hi, Awesomes. My Awesome of the Week is a television series on Lifetime. I know, Lifetime, kind of random. Yeah. The show's called Unreal. It's a scripted drama about the crew on a reality show. So it's very meta. It's a show about a show. Okay, yeah. But the reality show that they're shooting is called Everlasting, which is very obviously based on The Bachelor. There's like a suitor and 15 girls vying for his hand. He's trying to choose a wife. But the focus of Unreal, the actual show, that's my awesome of the week, because remember, Unreal is scripted. It's not reality. The focus is on the producers and the crew and the shenanigans that they pull in order to make interesting TV. So totally right up your alley then, right? (laughs) From your former life. It's so good. Every reality show I worked on, we said that we would be our own show. Like the crew always has way more (laughs) drama than the drama that's happening in front of the cameras. So I'm so excited that finally a network made a show kind of making fun of that. But also like there's definitely grains of truth to that. 
I'm mildly obsessed with this show. This is the most into a show I've been since The Good Wife. Oh, wow. I'm really into it. There's only 10 episodes so far. There's only been one season of Unreal. So it's like an easy, good weekend binge. And season two starts up in just a few weeks, June 6th. So the timing would be perfect if you binged Unreal now. You could go right into season two. So it stars Sherry Appleby. You might remember her from Roswell. She plays a producer with very dubious morals. But you're still kind of rooting for her. She's a great character and a really good actress. I love her. And then her boss, the executive producer, is played by Constance Zimmer, who a lot of us know from Entourage or House of Cards. There's lots of love interests, like the camera guy. I've dated a camera guy, so this kind of appealed to me. <laughs> and then the Bachelor contestant guy. He's part of it. He's very cute. There's tons of drama. Super interesting. And there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff of working on a reality show. I think it's really well portrayed. So Unreal on Lifetime. I don't want to say too much about Unreal, although I do want you guys to watch it. I definitely don't want to give any spoilers, but I will just hint that it may come up again in your earbuds. So give it a watch so you're in the know in the future. It won a bunch of awards last year, including the AFI, a Peabody. Okay, so where can we watch it? Did you watch it like on Lifetime.com or Hulu or? Hulu is streaming it live right now. So definitely Hulu. And then you can watch it on Amazon. I bought it because I bought it on iTunes for a long plane ride. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Totally. You can get it there as well. But I know for a fact that it's definitely on Hulu. Awesome. I love it. I have heard about that show and thought, oh my goodness, I want to check that out. I especially recommend it to my sister who loves The Bachelor after all of these years and told her that she should check it out too. So maybe we could binge watch and discuss together. So that's a great one. Unreal. I love it. Kara, what have you brought for us for your Awesome of the Week this week? Hi, Awesomes. I am super excited. I might I might even cry a little bit <laughs> telling you about how amazing I ran across the greatest song of all time. Okay. Of all time. You know I'm up for this. Let's hear it. So I was very recently in New York City for a medical conference. And of course, Hamilton was unavailable. Of course. In my budget to go see. It was like $1,200 for, you know, a very bad seat. Yeah. And so I walked right past that beautiful theater and went and saw Kinky Boots. And I didn't really know much about Kinky Boots until I went and just experienced it. But the music is by Cyndi Lauper. Um, You know, she is my spirit animal. So (laughs) I love Cyndi Lauper. But the entire soundtrack is phenomenal. Just to give you a little bit of background about what Kinky Boots is about. It's about two men who are trying to find their way in the world, for lack of a better word. So one of them um, has come to inherit a shoe store that is belly up and he's trying to find a way of saving this business that he's inherited from his dad and one night he's walking along and and stumbles into a theater where they have uh men dressed as women um for fun and and doing a show and so (laughs) the, the lead character her name is lola she is a very large beautiful african-american male who is wearing these um large stilettos that are not meant for a large man to wear correct so they come up with this idea that to save the shoe store they're going to have a niche market for these stilettos and so they're called kinky boots and so the whole show is just about you know 
embracing who you are and all the things. But the reason that I really, really love the finale is because the words are meant for the Sword of Awesome community. I'm telling you. So I picked out just a few to let you know the amazingness, but I want you to go immediately to Spotify or, you know, your favorite place to get music. iTunes store has it and buy this song and put it on repeat until you can dance in your stiletto heels. Okay? Oh my goodness. Okay. So, <laughs> it's amazing. Now, Megan, you know, I, I sent this to you and I told you this is the most amazing song ever and you made did. you listen to it. You did. I sent it to our friend Valerie and she sent me back this text. This song is, is church all right and that is the truth yes so the song is called raise you up slash just be because it's kind of a melding of two songs um written by cindy lopper it is the finale song so the song starts out it says once i was afraid but then you came along you put your faith in me and i was challenged to be strong when i lost my way you were there to see me through and then the chorus is Feed your fire to take you higher. We'll light you up like a live wire. Celebrate you to elevate you. When you struggle to stand, we'll take a helping hand. Woo! Feed your fire to take you higher. We'll light you up like a live wire. Celebrate you to elevate you. When you struggle to stand, we'll take a helping hand. There's just lots of great things in there, but of course... When I'm there watching the live show, they're singing the song. I'm bawling because it's just so amazing. But it is a very upbeat, wonderful song. One other thing, you know, there's some some parts of the song where they're still trying to move the plot along just a little bit to tie, kind of tie everything up in a bow. So as you're listening to the song, there's a little bit of dialogue here and there. Um, but the big hook of the song says, take these six steps to have a happy, happy life. One, pursue the truth. Two, learn something new. Three, accept yourself and you'll accept others too. Four, let love shine. Five, let pride be your guide. Six, you change the world when you change your mind. That's so good. So, I mean, I had chills. I don't know. It was just personally for me, I mean, I've had hard time. We've all had hard times. And, you know, when we find a song like this that really can inspire us to live in community. It's just wonderful. It's just, I really love this song. I think everybody can be encouraged by it. This is the first I've heard of this song. I did not know anything about this song, but I can see that you're emotional about it. And I like that because I feel like a message that we get our whole life is to really stick to our convictions and to really like stand strong. And I think what would behoove the world right now is if we took maybe the message of if you change your mind, you can change the world. Mm, so that true. everybody really digging their heels in seems to have gotten us mm. to a terrible impasse. Yeah, definitely. Oof. Getting big picture with a song from a Broadway show <laughs> called Kinky Boots. I love it. Yes. Well, Kara has been so enthusiastic about that song. And y'all, I'm telling you, it is a great theme song. Put it on your phone or whatever device you like to listen to music to, because it's one of those you cannot help but to be lifted up when you listen to it. So Kara, I'm so glad that was your Awesome of the Week. Great. My Awesome of the Week this week is an app. It's a photo editing app. You know, we're going into summer and it is definitely a time when all of us are snapping a lot of pictures, usually on our phone, a lot of the time on our phone and not even on our big fancy cameras anymore. And so having a great photo editing app 
at your fingertips is so helpful. This is a new one that I just found. It came out in February of this year. So it's a fairly new app. It's called A Color Story. And it's from the team at A Beautiful Mess, which they have created lots of other uh, photo processing things and all types of resources and tools to help you with your memory keeping stuff. What appealed to me about A Color Story is that their focus with what they have created in this app is if you like pictures that have lots of bright colors that really pop. I think that I, like so many people, fell into the trend early on in taking pictures on my phone and finding just the right filter the look that came from those pictures was a little bit more muted, if y'all know what I'm talking about, a little bit more of a dreamy kind of hipstery look to those. And over time, some people, their aesthetic has, has changed. Mine has. And I find the pictures that I am the most in love with that I have taken myself on my phone are the ones that just really have a lot of bright colors that really pop. So if you like that aesthetic too, I really think you'll like this app. It's totally free in the app store. Right now it's only for iOS, but they do have plans to develop an Android version of it. One thing that I really like about it is in the tool section where you're doing your photo editing, they actually have a feature to use curves. And if you've ever played around in Photoshop or any other kind of um, more, a little bit more advanced photo editing software, you know that curves can be a great tool to adjust the highlights and shadows and really um, be able to kind of spot adjust what you the look you're looking for in your picture. And I've never used, I mean, there may be other apps that have curves, but I've never used one that had a curves tool in it before. So that has been so fun to play around with. The built-in filters that it comes with are really great and really fun. Again, if you like that look where your colors are popping, the whites are really white. And then as with many other photo apps, you can buy add-on packs if you want to, to have even more options to play around with. But it has been so fun. It's really inspiring me to start taking more pictures with my phone. And like I said, I know with summer coming up, that's going to be something I'm doing. So again, the app is called A Color Story. And if you have iOS, you can find it in the App Store. Okay, as promised, earlier this month, I promised that we were going to be bringing you a show all about books and reading, and I am so excited that the time has finally come for us to sit down and talk about books. So, Laura and Kara are both avid readers. Their ability to blow through books always amazes me, and I cannot wait to hear some of the ones that they have to recommend for you today. But before we get to the actual books they've been reading, I want to talk a little bit about book clubs because the three of us have been talking about how amazingly technology and other things like that have allowed the format of book clubs to really shift and grow and change. In fact, Kara, you and I just sort of did a little mini book club ourselves when we read Bellwether Rhapsody. We read it together at the same time and we used Boxer to talk back and forth about that book and how much we loved it. <laughs> Kara and I both were so nervous as we were reading through the book because it was so great. But as we talked about it, we were like, this is one of those books where like if the ending is bad, it could ruin the whole entire book. <laughs> so we boxed back and forth. That was so nerve wracking. I know. We were just anticipating the ending. Both of us actually ended up loving how the whole book came together. But Kara, I know you have used Foxer not just to have many book clubs, but to have an actual structured kind of more formal book club. Tell us a little bit about how you're using Voxer to talk about books with friends. Well, it started out, and it was not my idea, so I cannot claim it, but 
when the book Just Mercy came out and everyone started reading that, we started the book club for that reason to discuss this book. And what we would do is that while we were talking about it, you could either chime in chapter by chapter and say, you know, say whatever you thought about that chapter and then text tag it and say, okay, this is regarding chapter one. And then the people that had read chapter one would listen and chime in. And then when you got to it, um, you would go back in and, and tag, you know, I'm finally doing chapter one or whatever. And that was a really, really great way of, number one, diversifying the type of people you have in your book club. Because I know a lot of traditional book clubs, at least the one that I'm a part of in my local community, you know, you typically join up with people who are your friends and you kind of all think alike and like the same things. But Voxer is a great way of trying to kind of find people in different areas of of the world even to discuss different types of books. But after Just Mercy, we read a couple of articles, and that was interesting. Somebody would find an article, post it, we would read it, and just kind of discuss, you know, reactions to it. Right now, we're slowly trudging through East of Eden, which I just blew through. What a beautiful, wonderful book by by John Steinbeck. Just absolutely wonderful. And so, of course, as busy as everybody is, you just, everybody reads at a different pace. So that is the beauty of Voxer that you can kind of get to it when you get to it. You can say as little or as much as you want to regarding different topics. But, you know, the big theme of that is basically are, are people born good or bad? And is there, do people have the ability to change? And just the amazing writing of Steinbeck is just really fun to get wrapped up in and discuss with friends in that way. So that has been really, really fun. We're doing that more on like a, we originally planned to discuss East, East of Eden for two months. Um, that's kind of stretched out a little bit because everybody's <laughs> reading at a different pace. But it is a low pressure, great way of discussing, in, in the case of the books that we've read, really, really hard books. So I, I've loved it. I totally recommend people doing that. I think it's been a great way to broaden my horizons. Definitely. And that is the great thing about the Voxer app. We talk about that app a lot on the show because it is a big part of the lives of your sort of awesome team. But the beauty of it is, is it's so convenient and you can add in and chime in with your thoughts whenever it is convenient for you. So I love having book talks on there. That's such a great and innovative way to use Voxer to discuss these things. And especially, like you said, with people that you would never get to sit down with over a glass of wine at a table somewhere and talk books you can use Voxer and still connect with them to talk about what you're reading. So Laura, I know you've also played around with the whole concept of book club. You've talked about how important your actual in-person book club there in Los Angeles has been in your life. But you also have played around with using technology to talk about books with people from all around the world. I have. I use Facebook primarily, although I love Kara's idea of using Voxer because Sometimes it's a lot easier, as we know now, to express your opinion in your voice (laughs) than it is to type out your deep thoughts on a book. But last year, I did something called the Read Great Books Literature Challenge. I really was wanting to read more of the classics or reread some of the classics that I read in high school that I think would sit differently with me as an adult. But I'm the type of person who really needs to have accountability. So I had my blog readers do it with me if they were interested. And we read one book a month and then we would discuss it on Facebook. We did it with like an event and did it almost like how you would do a chat, an old school chat where I had questions and people would 
respond to the questions. I think these days you could do it in a Facebook group would work as well because then you could have multiple threads going. But I really like the idea of using technology, social media in particular, to speak about these books because, like Kara said, it does widen your circle of the type of people who can, you know, jump in and give their opinion. And the thing I have found in both my real life book club and online book club is that talking through a book, no matter how you felt about it when you came to the end and closed that book, talking through it will probably shift your perception in some way. You'll either love it more or a book that you didn't like. Maybe you'll begin to appreciate more when you hear someone else's perspective. And I just think that's really valuable because most of the time reading is sort of a solitary activity and we get used to it being that way, especially people who read a lot. When you speak about it with other people and have like a a good conversation, then it just enhances the story so much. Absolutely. I love that. In fact, that's kind of one of the things I missed most about teaching English was the communal discussion. I especially miss that about being an English major student in college. That was so fun to hear everybody's different perspectives and how they responded to different parts of each book. So that's so great. And I think we wanted to mention that just as a reminder that even if you find yourself in a community where you just cannot seem to connect with people to talk books and reading, that's okay. You don't have to be limited to just your in-person community, you can reach out and find people to talk about books through the magic of technology. So let's get to talking about books. I know you guys have prepared all kinds of recommendations for us. Let's start with fiction. I know you both have a pretty even balance of reading both fiction and nonfiction in your life, but I would love to hear what you've been reading in the fiction realm that has really been memorable for you. Carrie, you want to get us started? Sure. I recently finished A Man Called Uva. Um, I did call a wonderful Voxer friend from Norway, <laughs> Ron Vag from the Sorta Awesome group, to ask her how to pronounce that. Um, apparently, there's a couple different ways, but that was my first task, was to figure out how in the world to say <laughs> that common name over there. So anyway, A Man Called Uva by Frederick Bachman. Um just initial impression this was a wonderful story about community about love about leaving a legacy there were parts that were extremely funny parts that were very very touching it ultimately was a book about a a sweet man who comes across as very cantankerous but as the book trudges along you learn that he is extremely compassionate you know, it's just a book about turning outside of yourself, looking looking into your community, um, making connections with people. But then also, if you are on the other side of that and you maybe have a cantankerous person in your life, to don't give up, to keep, to keep trying to develop those relationships. It was a great book. The Sorta Awesome Hangout group on Facebook has a spinoff group called Sorta Literary. And it's a great group of women that exchange different ideas about books and we discuss books. And this is where I initially heard about this book and a lot of people on there liked it. So I decided to read it. And I'm so glad that those women recommended it because it was a great book. Okay, great. Thank you for the rundown on that one. Laura, what do you have? Okay, the books that I wanna talk about first are the Neapolitan novels. Have you heard of these? They are everywhere. They are on all the hipster literature lists are the Neapolitan novels by Elena Ferrante. 
you might have seen them at the bookstore and not even known they were such a big deal because their covers are kind of unusual looking. Oh, okay. <laughs> the cover, like if you look at it, it definitely does not look like a bestseller. They sort of look like romance novels from the 70s, like not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good way. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's an Italian series of four books. Again, the author is Elena Ferrante. That's a pen name. There's a lot of speculation about who Elena Ferrante actually is. She is a mystery. Her reasoning for that, the big quote that is attributed to her is, books, once they are written, have no need of their authors. Ooh, interesting. Wow. So she has... That taken a very much of a back seat that's not again that's not her real name that's we don't know her identity we don't even know where she lives although it's presumed she's italian the books are written in italian and set in naples whoever he or she is time magazine named her one of the 100 most important people on the planet right now Whoa. so she is a very big deal mystery that she is the books a series of four, are the story of a lifelong friendship between two girls who become women, Elena and Lila. The first book, called My Brilliant Friend, is about them as children. Then the series goes on into teenagerdom and then adulthood. The second book is called A Story of a New Name. And I've only read the first two. I do plan to read the other two this summer. But these books get into your psyche. Like, they're a little bit of an acquired taste, I read them on vacation and the whole first, probably three quarters of the first book, My Brilliant Friend, I was just like, I don't I don't know if I like this or not. I'm not sure I understand why this is a big deal. And then by the time I got to the end, I was like, I, bye, click, where do I buy the next one? Like, I could not wait to read the next one. And it's not because there's necessarily a huge cliffhanger or anything at the end. It's just like really gets into you, these books. The tone and the storytelling, it's, it's distinctly un-American. Okay. I will say that. So there's an adjustment necessary if you're used to reading kind of contemporary American authors. It is not that. It's written in Italian. It's been translated. But it's kind of a really interesting moment for books right now with the Neapolitan novels. People are talking about them a lot. People are not exactly sure how to take them. Even though it's a, it's a classic sort of sweeping story about a friendship. There's Nothing necessarily about it that is, like, mind-blowing. <laughs> it's, it's just that it's so well done, and it really just seeps into you, and they're very long. Each one is very, very long, and it it's almost like you're living in real time with these girls. <laughs> How fascinating. I love that. Okay, so those are called the Neapolitan novels, and like you said, there's four in the series, yes? There's four in the series. The writer is Elena Ferrante, and you can get them anywhere, and just know to yourself that the covers are a little unusual. Okay, good to know. Thank you for that warning label on those. <laughs> for those of us like me who do tend to choose books by their covers. <laughs> okay, Kara, what else in fiction has been great for you lately? Well, I just finished Pretty Baby by Mary cubica and she some of you may have read the good girl um laura and i read that and we both really enjoyed that novel um but i would call it domestic noir um, wow <laughs> i know it sounds very exciting very exciting but it's this book told from three different viewpoints there's a husband and a wife and then another girl who uh, who are narrating this novel and it kind of jumps around in time a little bit it's one of those novels that starts at the end and so you're trying to figure out the whole time what is going on 
kind of like what Laura said about the Neapolitan novels, there's not really a huge cliffhanger. You just realize that these characters are much more complex as you you know, than they first appeared. And so it's a really great, I, I thought it was a great book just because the author just slowly is giving you little nibbles at what's coming next and just helps bring you along. I think it's well-written. I liked it better than The Good Girl, I would say. Um, is it a thriller like The Good Girl was or no? No, it's not so much a thriller, although it is it is kind of mystery. And there's, at the very beginning, you learn that, somebody dies and so you're kind of trying to figure out kind of like uh you know the book big little lies by leanne moriarty it's kind of like you're trying to figure out who who it is that dies um so that's that's in like i said you find that out in the very first chapter so that is not a spoiler or anything but i really liked it i thought it was a, a good easy read that was interesting and a little different than other things i had read I like the way that she writes. I like her voice. I really enjoyed the book, and I think uh, I think our awesomes would love it as well. Okay, pretty baby. All right. Laura, you have any other fiction to throw out there at us? I do. Another novel that I read recently is called Ruby by Cynthia Bond. I bought this book because I went to a little gathering where Cynthia Bond was the speaker, and she was really interesting and I liked the way she talked about the writing process, although I had not heard of the book at that time. But I bought it and then learned that it was an Oprah book club pick. So I'm not exactly making like an announcement here. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, this was discovered before I did. However, I started reading it and was blown away by the writing in a way that I haven't been just shocked by such good writing in a while. It's very spectacular. The story, however, will definitely not be for everyone. It's set in a small 1950s Texas town where segregation is alive and well. The main characters are Ruby, a woman who has suffered so much physical and sexual abuse that she's now mentally ill, and a man named Ephraim Jennings who has loved her since they were both children. And he sort of watched as her life and spirit have really devolved. The scenes and some of the plot in the story are very, very difficult to read. I just have to get that out there. There's a lot of abuse and um, it is graphic in nature. You know, it, it's not gratuitous. It is the kind of thing where you feel like this story needs to be told that this happens, that has happened to people and what it does to them and then when they are mentally ill as adults or later in their life, then they're judged for that. Like, why haven't they gotten over something or why has this affected them so badly? And it's just a really interesting look at humanity and relationships and love. There's a, a huge story of love between these two characters that is very unusual. There's a kind of voodoo element to it because that would have been true in this part of the country coming up from some of the Louisiana things like there's just some cultural geographical spiritual things about this book that she just brought it all together in a way that is really amazing when I went to look it up after I finished it you know I do not like look at reviews or anything before I start a book I do not when I finish a book I go and look at, on Amazon or Goodreads and see what other people thought about it and 
there was a lot of people who had a hard time reading this book. So I do always give that warning that for highly sensitive, this is not going to be for you. If you think that you can, there is almost not a better crafted book that oh, I have wow. read in a while. Oh, it's wow. really, really good. That the, sounds so good. Those are, that's a high mark from you because you read a lot and you read really good. You have excellent taste in books. So to say that, that's that's really saying something. So it's Ruby and tell me the name of the author again. It's called Ruby. It's by Cynthia Bond. I, I don't want to keep like making the same point, but I'm raving about it because it is so well done. Sure. It was not the most enjoyable book I've ever read. Right, right. It's one, but it it's almost like a perspective shifting book. You know, just the writing was so well done. I actually thought of Kara while I was reading it because last year for my Read Great Books Literature Challenge, we all read as a group, Their Eyes Were Watching God, mm. mm-hmm. which had some similar things in it. And Kara, you did not like that book. So did I'm not, not like that book. I do not know how you would feel about Ruby by Cynthia Bond, but this I just think this is a book that is really, really fascinating and it combines both fascinating and well done, and that's not always the case. <laughs> so Absolutely. So I did not enjoy Their Eyes Were Watching God, as you mentioned, but the reason that I didn't love it wasn't because of the writing or the content. So what about this is similar to Their Eyes Were Watching God? What I remember is what you didn't love about it was that you felt like they made some bad choices. (laughs) I did not like the choices that the girl made. Yes, I didn't like some of her choices. She wasn't a lovable character to me whatsoever. I loved the very, you know, small glimpse that we got into that community and that time frame and that the life that they, you know, sometimes those choices had to be made. I'm not sure that you would like Ruby then because Ruby, the title character, is also unlovable and also makes bad decisions. When you look at it in the whole of her life and that she has been abused from the get-go, you know, there's a part of me and this is just revealing who I am. A lot of times when I read stories, my real life book club, my personal book club often gets on to me for not having enough compassion for the characters. I'm usually like mad at the characters. I'm like, why could they not pull it together type of thing for this book? I did not feel that way. And possibly that's because these abuse scenes were so graphic. It is one thing to talk about abuse theoretically like oh a person was abused well now they act this way it's another thing to really be in that scene and then suddenly you're like oh no 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 this is like abuse this isn't like theoretical abuse this is like a real thing and I had so much more compassion for Ruby who who grows up to be very unlovable she's mean and crazy and you know all that kind of thing and you never really love her really in the way that Ephraim Jennings does, but I think maybe that's what I mean by the the graphic abuse scenes were not gratuitous so much as they made you finally understand. It was like, you have to look and you cannot look away. You cannot skim through those scenes. That does not do justice to this story. You have to read these awful scenes and feel it in order to connect what abuse victims have gone through and what they're, how they struggle to live their regular life even once they're out of the abuse. Wow. Okay. Sounds amazing. It does. It does. And to take that content matter and handle it in a way that is beautifully crafted, I'm sure is just really remarkable. So 
Let's switch gears to nonfiction and see what you guys have been reading in that category. Laura, what have you picked up recently from that that was memorable for you? I've read a bunch of nonfiction recently, but one of the ones Kara and I both read was When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi. I hope I'm saying that right. It's a short little book. It became very popular this winter. It's about a surgeon who was having a great career, moving along very young in his 30s and gets cancer. And so then he writes about the complications of moving from being a doctor to being the patient. And I thought about Kara so much while I was reading this because obviously she's a surgeon and the book was very, very well written. And I bawled my eyes out in the epilogue and I am not much of a book crier. And I cried. What did you think about it, Kara? I loved it. I am a book crier. Um, I read it in the airport a couple of weeks ago and people were looking at me, you know, (laughs) with crazy faces. But what a great book. I mean, what a great life. What a great legacy to leave behind in, in this book and his daughter. I just I loved it. I just thought it was so great. But when I was reading it, I kept thinking about this book I read about a year ago that I think everybody should read called I Shall Not Hate. It's by Dr. Isildine Abulaish, and he is a Palestinian doctor that was born and raised in the Jabalia refugee camp uh, in the Gaza Strip. He had to work really, really, really hard to just get food every day. I mean, very inspirational story of how he came and how he grew up. And then also getting into medical school, he was one of the first Palestinian doctors to work in an Israeli hospital. Um, You keep reading this book and you're like, oh, okay, that's your last thing to have to, you know, battle through. You did it. And then bad thing after bad thing after bad thing happens just because he is isolated in the Gaza Strip. Just to go from the Gaza Strip to Israel is a very arduous process. His wife got very ill. They hand carried her over on a stretcher, waiting hours and hours in line just to get across the border. He goes through a lot of different things in his life and his entire attitude is it's it's worth it because he's getting to help people. He's bridging this gap between this, you know, this racial tension. And he's helping to take care of people. His One of the things that I've read about him saying is that he thinks that medicine is the great equalizer because if you're super, super ill, you're not going to care if it's a woman taking care of you, which I've experienced many, many a time. You're not going to care if what their race is. You're like, I have a loved one that's dying. You can help. Please do it. And so he uses medicine as a way to bridge this gap between Palestine and and the Palestinian people and the Israeli people. But, you know, you think he's finally coming to a good spot in his career. He's practicing. He, everything is, is fine. And then um, a big conflict between Israel and Palestine breaks out and him and some of his family are holed up in their home in the Gaza Strip. And on January 16th of 2009, his home is, bombed and his three daughters, three of his daughters and his niece are killed in this fight. And he, if you Google this anywhere, you can see what happened in the aftermath because he calls a friend of his who's a reporter and they report it live and it is picked up by all these stations. He's in his home trapped. They cannot get out and get their people, you know, to help. And even after all of that and losing his family, he still says 
you know, violence is futile. It's a waste of time, lives, and resources. It's been proven only to get more violence, and it does not work. And so he is trying to live a life that says, I shall not hate. And the story is just so inspiring. And I think it reminded me a lot of When Breath Becomes Air, just because you have people that are in the trenches, in the trenches with cancer, literally in the trenches in, you know, the Gaza Strip, who are doing things that I will never understand. And for sure, as an American, you know, we hear a lot about Israel and we partner a lot with them. And I think it was extremely interesting to hear this point of view from a Palestinian man. And so this book by Dr. Abilesh, I would totally recommend. I listened to it on Audible um, and it was all the more moving, but then I went and got it in hard copy and have marked it up now. So I, I really think it's it's an important book that everyone should read. So I would recommend it five stars for sure. That is really big. Again, coming from you, somebody who reads a lot. I really love that perspective. And that's the beautiful thing about books is it helps us change our mind and hear stories from other perspectives we would not hear otherwise. So love that. Thank you, Carolar. What do you have on your nonfiction list you've been reading lately? I have read, like I said, several nonfiction lately. The ones of note, I just finished for my real life book club. It's called While the City Slept, A Love Lost to Violence and a Young Man's Descent into Madness by Eli Sanders. It's about a case in Seattle a few years ago, a very horrific murder and the man that committed the murder and his trial. I read a lot of true crime. This was written by a journalist, which is a little bit of a different spin. Eli Sanders actually won the Pulitzer for his journalistic coverage of this case. And so it is very journalistic in its writing, which a lot of true crime maybe can feel more personal. Sometimes it feels, uh, pulpy is too strong of a word, but pulpier than, than this book is. This book was extremely well-structured. A lot of times true crime books will start out with the, the crime. It kind of makes you feel the horror of the crime. And so then therefore you have very little sympathy for the perpetrator or anything like that. It also sort of hooks you in. If you're a true crime fan, some people like the really goriness of the crime. What I liked about this book is it gives you very little detail about the actual murders until the end. During the trial, and the uh, one of the victims survived, when she gives her account in the trial, you do hear how terrible it was. But the way that he set up the whole of the book is it starts with giving background on the victims and their lives and really makes you feel connected to them. Then he gives you background and a life story of the perpetrator which he had a lot of mental illness as well. And different systems either failed to catch his mental illness or he refused treatment, which also happened. This was not the type of story that you read and you like hate everybody. It's, it's not that. It's just like a very complicated, sad story of people who live with mental illness and the community, um, how we should or should not respond. It was very well structured. It wasn't the best thing I've ever read in the world or anything like that, but I'm mentioning it because I know we do have some crime fans. I hate to call it that, but that's what it is. And this is just, I think a good read, especially if you're from that community, if you were in the Seattle area, and I know we do have some listeners who are, there's a lot of stuff about 
the town that are just interesting. It, it, it was a good read. Excellent. So good. Thank you for bringing that one up. Kara, do you have any other nonfiction picks for us? I also have a true crime book called The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule. This is a really interesting story. Number one, Anne was working, this was way before her writing career got off the ground. She was working as a journalist, but also working at a hotline place to where people who were um, needing help to prevent suicide called. And she serendipitously, I guess you may say, worked with Ted Bundy and became very good friends with him. This was when he was in the early phases of his serial murders. And so not a lot was known that, number one, that there were serial murders happening, but she became one of the few people in his life that he was very close to, and she stayed close to him throughout the rest of his life. Oh, wow. And so she mentioned, she gives several nods to this, that how did I get so lucky to work with this man and call him my friend and have this unique perspective of this. It is a very, very interesting book. Of course you hear about the crimes, which are terrible, but you get a very unique perspective into who Ted was, how his mind worked from someone who was fooled by him for years. Uh, Even after they had arrested him, she still wanted to believe that he wasn't who they said he was. And so walking with her through her realization of who he really is and uh, she is an excellent writer. I, I found the writing to be very engaging, especially with such uh, horrific content. She's written several other books and is a very popular author. A lot of people love her. This is the only book of hers I've read. I will give her another shot because I did enjoy The Stranger Beside Me so, so much. For sure, for the true crime junkies out there, this is a must read. Okay. Excellent. Laura, what about you? Any other nonfiction picks to mention for us? Yes. I hate that we've gotten a little bit heavy right now, but I do like (laughs) the deeper, more (laughs) serious books, so I'm just not even going to apologize for it. One of the books I'm reading right now is by Krista Tippett. Do you guys listen to On Being? It's my favorite podcast. Absolutely. Sort of awesome. (laughs) And... (laughs) She is the host of On Being. She speaks about all things spiritual and from all different parts of the world, all different religions, all different trains of thought. She does the most fascinating interviews, and she has written a book that just came out called Becoming Wise. A lot of it so far, I'm about halfway through it. It's very slow going for me because I am underlying something on every single page. I get up and read it in the morning. I like to read um something sort of spiritual in the mornings. And I am underlining on every single page of this book. She talks about her own life, but it's also sort of a mash of a lot of the different interviews that she's done. So she's often quoting people who have come on, but it's the best of her interviews. So if you already like her and having the best of it there in book form, is just, I'm giddy in the mornings to read this. It's so, so good. And then a couple of things that are on my bedside that I have not gotten very far in, but will be you know, reading and finishing soon. The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. I've been wanting to read that since I read Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson earlier this year. And also Girls and Sex by Peggy Orenstein. She is writing about teenagers to young women and how technology, how our culture has changed the way they view sex and how it is 
more damaging than we could have ever imagined and more healthy than perhaps we grew up. It's sort of both of those things. It's so interesting. I have a daughter. She's very young, but I think this topic is important for all moms. So great. It's so funny that you mentioned that about all the underlining you're doing in Krista Tippett's book, because I heard Rob Bell's interview with Krista on the Robcast, and he said the same thing, that he just like almost had to give up on highlighting because he was just underlining like every paragraph of the book. So I am very much looking forward to reading Krista Tippett's book. Kara, what are you reading right now? I am reading Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. I'm actually listening to it on Audible. I I read multiple books at once. Laura always eye rolls and makes fun of me for this. But, you know, there's a lot of different places that I'm at that aren't conducive to a Kindle or my phone, you know. So in the car, I have a, a little bit of a commute a couple times a week. And so I always listen to an Audible book. This book is so well done on Audible. The narrator has the most lovely voice. And I really, really enjoy that. I don't necessarily love the plot of the book. The plot, it's basically like Groundhog Day uh, is how it's described by a lot of people. But the writing is so, so good. I'm really enjoying it. Um, It's just a look at one person's life and how it may have been through various life circumstances. So, you know, if something hadn't have happened, here's another life that kind of describes what what's another what could be. So it's really interesting. I do think it would be another good one for a book club because I bet there are a lot of different ways to interpret actually what's going on. I, I'm really enjoying it a, a lot. I don't make fun of you for reading so many books, I always am reading one nonfiction and one fiction at the same time. So that's two. It's just that you're usually reading like seven. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't, I can't comprehend that. A novel I just started is called City on Fire by Garth Risk, by Garth Risk Hallberg. I'm sure you guys have heard of this. The Washington Post called it the it novel of 2015. So I'm a little bit late. It definitely was all over the place last fall. City on Fire. I heard about it over and over. I'm just not getting around to it because it's 900 pages long. Okay. Well, you guys have given us so much that we can add to our summer 2016 reading list right now. But I also know that you guys have books that you are looking forward to that have not come out yet. Kara, what are you looking forward to reading in the very near future? I am calling all Justin Cronin fans to get super pumped because book three of the Passage trilogy is coming out. It is called The City of Mirrors. Laura and I read The Passage several years ago, right around the same time, completely loved it. It's a post-apocalyptic type novel. The 12 was the middle book, and we all loved it a little less, but I think it was a necessary evil, if you will, to get us to the third book. We're hoping that Justin does not let us down. It comes out May 24th, so it's out now, so go buy it. I'm going to be reading that soon as well. I loved The Passage. If you guys have not read The Passage, go read it. Even if you think it is not your type of thing, which I read it for book club and it was not my type of thing, and then I dreamed about it and obsessed about it. The passage is so good. The wait, 12, not so great. Wait, but. wait, wait, wait. Just help me remember. What is the like, what's the the main, the gist of it, of the passage? It's like vampires. Okay, that's what I thought. You know, vampires are totally my thing. 
unfortunately. I was trying to bike. cut out so that we wouldn't, lo- you know, lose some people on the vampire thing because it is post-apocalyptic. <laughs> I hate to say vampires because when people think of like Twilight and like tween stuff, it is not that. It's like it's like science vampires. Science like, kind of- vampires. How have I not read the passage yet? Sign me up. Okay, Laura, what are you looking forward to that's coming out soon? Well, besides Justin Cronin's, I'm especially excited for Leanne Moyarty's new book. She is my favorite guilty pleasure. She's the best beach read or airplane read. I just love the way that she writes women. I think she is so fun. And she has a new book coming out on July 26th called Truly Madly Guilty. Ooh. That's all. And then also, this is a little bit further in the future, but I'm going to mention it in case people want to... Um, pre-order it but another one of my favorite writers tana french who writes dublin investigator novels they're sort of mysteries they're sort of thrillers she's a great great writer and she has a book coming out called the trespasser on october 4th good stuff okay well i know that you are going to want to continue talking books and reading with us after this show and throughout the summer. Kara is an active member of the Hangout group on Facebook and you can find her in there, facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. We will be talking all kinds of books and reading. And Laura, remind us where we can find you all around the web. I'm always at hollywoodhousewife.com where you can sign up for my secret posts. They are a monthly newsletter and I always update there what I have been reading, what I'm looking forward to reading, as well as all other kinds of bits and juicy things about our life and fashion and beauty. And there's all kinds of good stuff in the secret posts. You can also find me on social media as Hollywood H Wife on Twitter and Instagram and The Hollywood Housewife on Facebook. Okay, and you can find me at Sorta Awesome Meg on Twitter and Instagram. Come and find the show on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. And you can always find us on Facebook at, at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life Sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.